Welcome to Get Off the Dotted Line, a podcast that unpacks all things related to education and teaching. I'm here to help elementary teachers think differently about what we are teaching and why we are teaching it, so our classrooms can become spaces for amazing learning potential to begin. I'm your host, Dr. Paige Hendricks. I believe that every topic, every challenge, and every conversation in the field of education is complex and needs to be unpacked from multiple angles, not just from one confined space. By taking the time to learn about what is outside the confines of the dotted lines, we as teachers can take this knowledge and help our students become better thinkers and better learners in this world. Your journey to explore the complexities of everything educational and teachable outside of the dotted lines starts right now. Today we're here talking with Dr. Fran Spielhagen, Professor Emeritus of Mount St. Mary's College in New York State. And we're talking today about a book that we have written together, which is what's been taking up most of my time the last few months. Fran, would you like to talk about and tell us the title and the publication of the book and how it came to be? Oh, I'm delighted to tell you about it. Um, The title of the book is Catalyst for Change, Baby Boomers Reflect on Their Legacy to Public Education. The publication date will be fall of 2023 in time for the 60th anniversary of the John F. Kennedy assassination, and I'll get into more about that later. The title of the book actually really explains the whole reason why the book came about and what I intended when I approached the co the contributors to share their insights. But first, a little bit about myself. I retired from education two years ago after over 50 years in education in general, 30 of them were in the K-12 environment, and 20 were in teaching teachers. In the years following that, I really spent some time looking at public education today and how it evolved over my lifetime as a baby boomer. I think it's important to understand the baby boomer mindset. We boomers were born in the post-World War II optimism. And we were born with a can-do attitude. For many of us, myself included, education was the key. Many of us were first-generation college-goers. And so education became incredibly important. But certainly for myself as a woman, the place I would go with education, at least in those early days, was to be right back into education and teaching. Along about the time that we entered college, we encountered President John F. Kennedy, who asked us not to ask what our country could do for us, but what we could do for our country. And so that attitude of returning the favor really characterized the boomer mentality, I believe. And of course, then tragically, John F. Kennedy was assassinated in 1963. And so do you think, Fran, that the baby boomers of your generation really took upon themselves to go get something after they went into college and graduated? Were they all thinking, I need to go and do and make something of myself and give back to the community because of John F. Kennedy's speech? Well, I think that would be a generalization because I'm sure there are many baby boomers who thought, how much can I get for me? 
but I think a large majority of us really believed in giving back, especially those of us who came through the working class, those of us for whom education was the key. I recall my dad saying to me so many times, you are different. You are different from me. You will have an education. You will do wonderful things. I work with my back. You will work with your mind. That's powerful stuff. Very powerful stuff. He was a very intelligent, gracious man who worked with his back his entire life and died way too soon. And my doctorate is from Fordham University. I, I have great allegiance to that university because its mission was, certainly when I started there, to the first generation co- college goers. And for them to also give back? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. Fordham University is a Jesuit university, and the motto is scholarship into service. So that fits really well with not only your mentality growing up, but also with this book. Absolutely. Absolutely Mm -hmm. fit completely. And interestingly, also, I grew up in Brooklyn and Queens, and Fordham was in the Bronx. And if you know anything about New York City, you know, that's a far, far away place. But I was taken there on a field trip by a teacher and became absolutely enamored of the campus. And I decided I would go away to college by traveling on the subway to college because my father was like, oh, you're not going away anywhere. You know, you're a good little Italian girl. You're going to uh, stay home and study. But I did go to Fordham University and graduated from there and ultimately got my two graduate degrees there. Can you talk a little bit about the process of how you selected people to be part of the book with you? Well, I selected them basically on the work that I knew that they did. And I knew that they had given back. So I knew that these were all baby boomers who had made significant contributions to various aspects of public education. I basically asked people, tell me about what you thought when you were doing what you were doing. And so we have chapters on special education. We have chapters on policy changes and my own chapter on policy changes in terms of inequity in mathematics and science. One of my contributors, I knew him as a youngish man when we both started our doc studies together. And he has really traveled up the ranks and he's now a president of a private college. Another gentleman that I knew, he was very significantly involved in teacher education program evaluations, and I thought that was incredibly important in terms of the baby boomer legacy. You know, how do we make sure teachers are being educated well? So these people that you selected to contribute a chapter to the book were people that you knew, were also baby boomers of the same era, and were all involved in education and they all had this common goal of taking up the, the cause of President Kennedy. Is that right? Well, I don't know whether they consciously verbalized that goal, but my contention is that was latent in our experience. If you think about it, we came of age, the earliest ones of us, came of age at a time of great hopefulness, possibility in the American culture. And John F. Kennedy wealthy as he was, crystallized that sense of we need to give back. And so as we came of age and began to make our journey into higher education as students, he was assassinated. And before we could even get started to ask 
reply to his mandate to ask not, as we were beginning our journeys, his ended. And that was a pretty dramatic, climactic event in our trajectory. Now, whether we consciously thought about it or not, I, I, I couldn't say. I can only now, in retrospect, say that had to be in the backdrop and in more than simply background being a motivational force. So being 2020, as it, as the saying goes, is really something that was helpful in coming up with the idea and the concept of this book. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I conceptualized the book as I was retiring from education as a full-time educator. And so I was being very retrospective about my own life. And so the, the, the business about John F. Kennedy, I mean, I can remember sitting in a classroom and having my college professor say to me, your president has been assassinated. Mm. And so, you know, I think about that and I think about how that colored how I saw life. I mean, I remember going home on the subway and people crying on the subways because he was such a symbol of our hopefulness. And so now, five decades later, reflecting on that, I realized that what a motivational force it was for us to move forward. But that was not the only thing. It was the baby boomer mentality that we needed to move forward because we were the generation. We were the post-war generation that was going to make change. And the optimism that infused our generation before the downbeat of the beat generation and and the hippies and so forth. There's that crystallized attitude of, you know, we're going to do something. We're going to do something. Never mind, of course, that many of us were hippies and, you know, walked around the Bronx barefoot, myself not included in that. (laughs) (laughs) But I knew many people who did. Do you think that the current generation of teachers and educators and people in education, both K-12 and in higher education, are also thinking about the same things, about taking up a cause, about giving back. Do you think that President Kennedy's speech has transcended even these many decades later? That's a really interesting question. What also came about in those 50 years were the standards movement to make sure, presumably, that everyone was equitably being met with suitable education. I mean, let's get honest about it. That's really what the standards movement was about. And so the move towards equity morphed into the standards-based education. And I, I think, knowing what I know about teacher candidates whom I taught for 20 years, there definitely, for the vast majority of them, was a, a sense of mission, a sense of commitment, a sense of... Uh, giving back. And then I think that comes, you know, face to face with the punitive aspect of the standards movement for both the students and the teachers. So I think it's extremely difficult at this point in time to live out that dream, given all of the constraints there are on education in general right now. So I think part of what I was hoping to happen with this book was that the hopefulness would come through, the legacy would come through, so that in some way it could go towards increasing the dialogue of transforming public education back into what it was intended to do, to be the beacon for youngsters 
as they came through the system and, and, and a path for them to succeed as we did. Okay. So how did you and I get involved together in this book? <laughs> that an interesting question, Paige. Well, Paige, you and I met about 10 years ago mm-hmm. when I was on sabbatical at the College of William & Mary Center for Gifted Education. And I had been connected with them for many, many years. And so there I was in residence and there was this very eager doc candidate, you, <laughs> who used to stop into my office. I can remember this teeny little office I had and you would stop in and we would chat about, oh, God knows, all sorts of things. And I was very impressed by your eagerness and by your general work ethic. You know, a lot of the doc candidates came through and they barely were there, but, you know, you, you were a presence, and that's how we got to know each other. And quite honestly, I couldn't think of anyone who was not a boomer who could put the lens onto it that I wanted. What I wanted was someone who perhaps was the child of a boomer, and you and I have already determined I could be your mother, but could look at what we had to say and on the one hand, perhaps put a scalpel to it or at least put a a, a flash of light onto it. But on the other hand, reflect on what did that mean going forward with your generation of educators? You're the people who are running the show now. And so therefore, it was important to me to have that lens so that did this concept have legs? Mm-hmm. What was meaningful in the book and what did you have to say about it? In many ways, this is a capstone work for me, although the publisher has said he doesn't want to hear that from me. <laughs> it was a privilege to work with the contributors and to work with you. I think we have a worthwhile thing here. I think as the baby boomers retire and have been retiring, what they did and what they said is important for education moving forward. So that's your hope for the book, is that it's an important piece of the educational puzzle moving forward. Absolutely. I think it will really contribute a piece because oftentimes younger people in education right now may not be thinking about those necessarily that came before them. But I think this book has a lot of different perspectives of what really truly happened before the current day and what really truly happened in education and how things that we do now that we may take a bit for granted came about or had just begun or were so many years ago just being created. And that was something that was really eye-opening for me as the final contributor, as the more present-day voice, is that Some of these things that I had been learning about and doing and hadn't really understood the history behind, I was able to really step into that person's shoes and say, oh, this is why this happened or this is why this was created. Well, I agree completely. And I'm absolutely thrilled to hear you say that because that was my intention. Was there something about the book or any part of the topics that were covered in the book that surprised you in the end? That's an interesting question. I Not so much surprised me, but it gave me pause that some of the contributors worked very, very hard at distancing themselves and talking about the topic in a third-person objective way, and others of the contributors saw it as completely personal with personal pronouns. You know, for a work of this nature, isn't necessarily 
what the audience needs to hear. The audience needs to know the lessons, more or less. And that's not in any way a criticism of the contributors. I basically asked them, you know, what are your reflections? And so they gave me their reflections. But one of the things that I was thrilled about was that anytime I asked a contributor to tweak or edit, they were right there, right away, um, improving what they had to say because they believed in what they had to say. And that was very edifying for me. But, you know, again, I, I didn't choose slackers. I chose good professionals who knew what they wanted to say and said it as best they could. If the publisher were to come back to you and say, this book was really successful, which, of course, we hope it is going to be successful as being part of the educational framework moving forward, and said to you, we'd like to do a second part, a second contribution to this book. Is there something that comes to mind that you would contribute as a part two? I'm not exactly sure what that might be, but what I would love to happen is for the contributors to be able to enter into dialogue with contemporary educators through the lens of what the contributors did and how that's playing out in their experience. Where are we now? Did this work? Your chapter was lessons learned from the veterans. So how about the veterans learn from the practitioners about those very same issues? That would be wickedly cool to do something like that. All of a sudden, boom. All of a sudden. I thought that was my capstone, but I guess not. But you know what? The burden may be on you to find the contemporary educators. (laughs) The burden may be on me. We'll see. We'll see about the part two now, won't we? Was there anything else that you want to add? I hope that the legacy does stand. If we look at all of the contributions that these chapters record, these are good contributions. You know, I believe strongly in what we have here, and I'm really hopeful that it'll resonate with the readers. Well, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate all of your answers to your, the questions. And also, it's been a real pleasure working on this book with you over the last few or many months. <laughs> Well, it's the, the pleasure's been mutual. You're um, you're an excellent colleague and editor, and and so we'll have to talk about book two now. Yes, we will. Thank you again. All right, take care. That concludes my interview with Dr. Francis Spielhagen on our collaborative book entitled "Catalysts for Change: Baby Boomers Reflect on Their Legacy to Public Education." Out for publication in fall of 2023. Please take a look at it wherever books are sold, and there will also be a link to it on my website at pagehendricks.com. Thank you so much for joining me. To review key takeaways from today's episode, including getting access to all things printable, please visit my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E hendricks.com. You can subscribe to Get Off the Dotted Line right now in the app you are using to listen to this podcast and receive new episodes as soon as they are released. I can't wait to share another podcast with you. Thank you again for joining me, Dr. Paige Hendricks, in today's episode of Get Off the Dotted Line. See you next time 